2: Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of On to the Next One. Hope everyone's having a wonderful week. It is sort of a weird time because there is no UFC event, and the only thing going on this weekend as you hear this, the fight between Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou will be over. It will be complete. It will be done with. And... I, for one, will be pretty happy when that is the case. So, but we are here for a very special edition of On to the Next One. We are back with Ask Us Anything. I am Mike Heck. You guys have submitted some great questions. And we appreciate that. And joining me to answer those questions, the co host, the co matchmaker, the prince of positivity. Damn it, he's my best friend, the incomparable Alexander Kaylee. AK, how are you, my man?
3: Mike, I'm excited. I'm happy to be doing this show. It's been a while. It's been a while, my best friend, since we have uh, just let our, our thoughts fly freely. I mean, I know you get a lot of this on on to the next one. Uh, sorry, excuse me, on um, heck of a morning. Uh, I get some of it. Sometimes we do the preview shows. I think I hosted one of the Q and A's recently. But usually we're trying to like talk about current events. You know, we're trying to keep it relevant, trying to stick to the buzzworthy topics. Um, there'll be some of that on today's show, I'm sure. But this is really when we say, "Ask us anything. Ask us anything." And uh, yeah, sometimes, so, look, there might be some questions we've been asked before that have updated answers. You know, we're we're, cha- we're changed men. Like we're constantly evolving. So I look forward to it.
2: That's very true. Uh, we had a whole bunch of submissions, whether it be yeah, publicly on Twitter, DMs on Instagram, on Twitter, emails, whole bunch of really interesting topics, and. Are you ready to do this? I say we get right into this thing. Let's just go. Yeah. All right. So I actually want to just go with the first question right off the bat because I thought it was super interesting (laughs) Uh, because we have a little doc that AK puts together. He's just incredibly organized. I would just be scrambling trying to put (laughs) this all together. Chris Lee.
3: Oh, my brother, my actual brother, my real-life brother. Chris Chris not the Lee. Not the referee, not the MMA referee, who I'm not related to. So please please stop sending Chris Lee, referee complaints to me. If you have complaints about my brother, Chris Lee, who lives in Japan, uh, by all means, send those to me. But yes, go on.
2: But Chris asks us to book a fantasy Ryzen New Year's Eve card that is even 50% as random slash insane as the real thing will be. So fantasy means that all fighters are in play here right because that's I how so. i perceive this question
3: yeah i, I mean maybe within reason you know maybe within reason obviously we're not gonna throw together some crazy like 50 ufc fighters on there but otherwise fighters pro wrestlers fight circus performers
4: i think is more than okay okay so
2: i put together five fights so a main card with five fights Alright, how many how many fights do you have?
3: I, I have not I did not prepare for this at all. I'm just gonna go off my dome, but I want to hear what you've got.
2: Okay. So the first fight that I'm com- the main card opener, open weight matchup, could be we'll call it like 150. Maybe you go fifty five. Maybe this guy would just go up to fifty. We'll just call it fifty five. I want to see as the main card opener, a guy who has fought in the UFC and fought for Horizon, Spike Carlisle. Versus Nate Landwehr. Oh, okay. that's the All opener. Right.
3: Oh, we are going fantasy now. That's just, that is chaos. That's the is second kind of fight. Wow,
2: the second fight on the card. Two guys who have fought in the UFC. Two guys who have fought
4: for Ryzen. John Dotson versus Manel Cop.
3: Oh, bringing bringing Manel back to Ryzen for a dream matchup with Dotson. John Dotson has been doing some things, by the way. For anyone who's who's kind of like, that's a random pull? John Dotson's been doing bare knuckle. He, he won a fight in Ryzen recently. John Dotson, I think he got a vote in our MMA fighting rankings for like the flyweight division. John Dotson is still cranking away and doing pretty damn well.
2: This will be a number one contender fight for what will be some sort of flyweight title fight, in my eyes. Kyoji Horiguchi versus Brandon Moreno.
3: God, I would love to see Kyoji with respect to, he's beaten some good guys, but with respect to the competition he's faced, I'd love, I'd love to see him against some of those names that have come up in the UFC over the past few years. Now, again, not to say that he has to do that. Kyoji, we know, is one of the best feather uh, flyweights in the world. weight flyweights, now fly, back to flyweight, I guess.
2: Oh, that's a good matchup. That's exciting. Yeah. By the way, I took about 60 seconds to put this together. For some sort of Super Fight Strawweight Championship, aka the Ryzen Atomweight Champion, Saika Izawa, versus the one championship Strawweight Champion, Stamp Fairtex. I
3: literally... I did not put... I would have a separate doc going. I literally just wrote that down. How did you do that? I don't know. How did you do... I... I... I hit the X. I hit the X as you started. <laughs> on, I hit the X on Fairtex as you started saying. I'm on that.
2: a totally different doc, by the way. As okay, I'm
3: yeah, I've got a separate note. This I swear we did not plan that. That that would and that's realistic. Like that would have to happen. Like if this, if we're we're talking fantasy, but like if they were ever going to say we want to do the biggest, biggest, craziest card ever, that's a, one of the more realistic fights that I think has to be made.
2: And in the main event, no title just madness i don't know why this is the first fight literally this is the first fight that popped into my head if i could just randomly pair any two guys together because this could be done and it would look super weird but i kind of want to see it
4: the main event A.K. heavyweight bout
2: the man that less than two weeks from right now as people hear this could be once again the ufc light heavyweight champion Yuri Prohashka, who has fought for Ryzen, had a great career there. another, Another
3: homecoming, yeah.
2: Taking on a man who is taking his career very seriously, is taking his health very seriously, coming off of one of the most memorable wins of his career. And in fact, will be fighting six days from right now in the main event in Sao Paulo, Brazil. It's Yuri Prohashka versus Derek Lewis in the main event. Pure and utter madness. Perhashka weighing in at about two hundred twenty five pounds. Derek Lewis is going to come in just chucking lunch boxes. We're just going to throw two random dudes in there, and they're just going to swing madness at each other. I don't know why this is the first <laughs> fight that popped into my head, but it just sounds so risenish in the best possible way.
4: I love it. I love all that. Um, I have to, man, you,
3: Derek Lewis does feel like in another world he would have been a superstar i mean he's a star anyway but like in japan i feel like he could have been a superstar
2: i think he would be an mma fan if he fought in japan
3: yeah um i'm i i gosh i'm killing myself right now because i'm trying to remember this name i brought it up on onto the next one so many times oh my gosh he fought the ufc like twice and didn't win. This big heavyweight guy. I think he's Samoan. Who am I think? Who am I thinking of? And I kept matching him up with Chris Barnett. Do you remember? Do you remember this? Rocky uh, Martinez. Rocco Martinez. Thank you. Thank you. uh Rocky. Rocky. Rocky.
2: Um, R O Q U E.
3: Oh yes, yes. Okay, yes. That never happened. We never got our wish. We got uh, Rocky. Unfortunately, did not win enough to stay in the UFC. So that's on my list for sure. Um. I thought that was such a perfect matchup for both guys. I said already, Azawa, Stamp, Fairtex. Mike, uh, you have put up great matchups. I need I need more freak show stuff. You, uh, you didn't give me enough freak stuff. So I will t- uh, throw a couple of freak fights out there. Uh, I need Gabby Garcia back. I need her in a MMA or grappling contest against Gordon Ryan. I think that is a good one. Uh, people will pay money for that. I don't know I don't know what kind of rules you guys want to make to make that palatable, but uh, that to me is is the future of JMMA in a nutshell. Keep JMMA Freak Show going. And then I I just mentioned, uh, I don't know if I did mention, but uh, Bob Sapp. Bob Sapp is still hanging around. Uh, he's still collecting paychecks for various promotions. I need him back in Ryzen. And what I think would have been the biggest Freak Show fight in JMMA history, we never got to see. Um, because uh, the, the Bob Sapp and this gentleman who I want him to fight, unfortunately, he did, he did pass away in an uh, untimely fashion. I wanted Bob Sapp and Kimbo Slice so badly. I feel like that would have sold out the Tokyo Dome, Mike, if they had done that fight. Now, I'm not going to be morbid and bring Kimbo back to life. Though, if I could, I would. But his son is fighting still. His son is not really a heavyweight. He's actually considerably smaller. But still, we're going open weight here. Give me Bob Sapp and Kimbo Jr. <laughs> in a featured fight on this card, and now we are talking. Now we are talking. Like, yes, now now we're getting back to the old, the old freak show days. So, yeah, give me the I'll weird stuff. You. My great fights, but I'll, but I got some weird stuff on it.
2: Bob Sapp versus Kimbo Slice Jr. and Anthony Taylor in a two versus one match.
4: <laughs>
3: oh, perfect! There we go. <laughs> there we go. Anthony can handle a lot of the promotion. Yeah, Anthony can handle a lot of the promotion. He would certainly love it. Uh yes, now again, we're now encroaching on Fight Circus territory, but hey, Fight Circus, get involved in this. Get involved in this. We can we can we can fit in some Indian leg wrestling on the card. Uh Mike, I feel like we did we could we could we could throw Ben the Bane Davis in some sort of fight on here somewhere. So um yeah, Ryzen uh doing the damn thing and uh to my brother Chris, thanks for sending that question. And if anything like this happens, I hope you go to that show.
2: Yes. AK you select now.
3: Okay. Uh should I go oh I'll go this one because this one this one tickled my fancy. Uh, we sort of answered this before. So there's, just, I got two. We got two questions from SQRNFL on Twitter. One is, how did the my best friend bit start? I don't remember. Mike, do you have? This is like asking me how did the happy birthday the thing start?
4: I think you just said it one
2: day and on to the next one, and it just stuck. Just huh. a random thing. You're like, I, I, you just called me your best friend out of nowhere, and it. Really, just made my day. And now <laughs> moving forward, i everything we do, you're just my best friend. So it, it I don't, always I was, feels good honestly, to hear. I don't remember how it started. I just remember the yeah. first time I heard it, and I'm like, this is it. This is what we're doing from now on. So three years of being my best friend, AK. Yeah,
3: those are some of the best gimmicks, right? On shows. Like, you, you just don't, it just happens, right? It just happens. You're like, okay, let's ride it. Like, let's just, let's just see how it goes. So anyone who's listened to like any podcast and has listened to like, 60, 70 episodes of a podcast or something, there's so many like little inside jokes and things. And probably by the time you've been listening to a show for like, over like over like a couple of years you do, i mean you probably don't even remember like i'm talking about like listeners don't even remember where the joke came from but it's just so embedded in you and the second part of this question i don't know if this was a shot but it's a fair question uh uh sqr nfl asks, does alex actually like mma uh because he's unless of pay for you more often than not seems so doing this he's doing sh- ought no not having actually watched previous night's card which seems odd for someone whose job is directly tied to what just happened Uh, I'll just say there was a stretch where probably when I first started working at Mary Fighting, maybe the first like three or four years, I don't think I missed a card. I might have missed like two cards out of whatever, how many cards the UFC runs, like 40 some odd cards a year, more than ever now. And I've gotten a bit older. I'm trying to reprioritize things in my life. And that means um, I'm actually like have made a point to take the occasional Saturday off, which again, I had not done for a long time. So yeah, honestly, there are some cards where, I keep up with the coverage on MMAfighting.com. I go back and watch some of the key fights later that night or the next morning. But I have misguards. I love MMA. I love MMA. And fight night to me is still the best part of it. I still I, I like doing the coverage. I like writing articles. I like getting to do the occasional interview. I love doing shows with my best friend Mike and the rest of the staff. But watching the fights is still the best thing. Um, even as somewhat diluted as the practice has become, I love MMA. Uh, so yeah, I definitely would not be doing this job if, uh, if I didn't style a passion for it. It's just, I think, and I think a lot, I don't think I'm I'm alone in this. A lot of people who have been watching MMA for, you know, so and so many years are a little burnt out from time to time. And actually uh, taking a night off really helps to sort of um, refresh your your love for the game. That's, that's how I feel about it, Mike.
2: Yeah. Sometimes I want to take my wife out for the night or yeah. do something with my family or go see my parents for a weekend, something like that. And that's perfectly okay. In fact, one of the things I was told when I first kind of had, when I had like my second interview for the job was... For a long time we were a staff where it's just like everybody's on twenty-four-seven. Like you just get on and do the thing and you just we just grind away. And one of the things that really made me happy and made my wife happy about it was we are gonna prioritize schedules. Like you're gonna work now basically it was if you want to work extra, like I'm not gonna stop you, go right ahead. But we are going to basically tell you you're gonna work this day. These hours, and then we want you to do other things. We want you to hang out with your family. We want you to go do other stuff, so you don't get burnt out. And that was one of the really cool qualities that I found with MMA fighting, outside of it being a tremendous website and the staff and everybody else, but just prioritizing separation from it because you can get burnt out, and I've experienced it multiple times covering the sport. Even, you know, not a lot here, but there are certain times where you just You're traveling a lot, you're doing this, you're doing that, like you don't it feel like you don't see your family for months because of everything going on during crazy chaotic fight weeks and pay per views and you know, there's a UFC event and then there's a Jake Paul fight and there's like five events going on at once and it's just it's wild. And I don't think I've actually like I've taken some days off, but I don't think I've actually taken like a vacation at all this year. Which is weird because the last couple of years I try to take like a week here and a week there. I think just random holidays have fallen on like a Monday. So I would take like three or four days off, but it would only count as like a day off because the other ones are weekend days or holiday days. So I am going to take like the last week of December off just to like see my family and stuff because I haven't seen my parents in forever. It's just so weird because of the job and everything. So I get where you're coming from. And I've jumped on the show once or twice and been like, I didn't watch any of the fights last night. I just didn't. Remember that, Korea, remember that car that was supposed to take place in, like, South Korea and yeah. they did it at the Apex and Derek Lewis <laughs> fought Sergei Spivak at, like, 3 a.m.? Like, who the freak's going to stay up for that? I mean, come on. This is crazy. <laughs> and this is after, like, a Bella, The I think there was, like, a Bellator CBS card that's the same night or some sort of other event, but it's tough to, like, watch everything and then just be, like, fully engulfed in the sport and then have to watch every single Apex card. Yeah. It's tough
3: plus we cover influencer boxing we cover uh, F- fury and ganu boxing we cover like we're, we're we're covering other fights be often beyond just pfl bellator um you know, we cover a lot of stuff beyond just UFC. Like, if even if you were only to just watch every UFC card as a fan, I think you'd have to be exhausted. I don't know. Now, imagine doing that plus saying, well, I got to make sure I catch keep up with Bellator. I got to keep up with PFL. I got to keep up with one championship. Like, imagine having to keep up with all that. It, it does wear on you a bit. So everyone, of course, I say enjoy your job. And Mike, we have an amazing job. I love covering MMA for a living. Um, but for everyone, I'd just say, you know,
1: in moderation.
3: In moderation. Never, never let your job uh, consume you, you know.
2: Absolutely. Let me see if I can find going, it. I found a get? question what I thought was really interesting. I don't know how to find it, though.
3: Oh, actually, can I, can I tag off this one for a quickie? Uh, yes, please. I think this was sent to you from Steve. So, uh, if you're kind of related, if your company asked you to cover a second sport, uh, what would it be? Golf.
4: 100%. Oh, nice.
3: That's a good choice. It's definitely That's golf. a good choice. Yeah.
2: That's a what about you? Answer. I think I, think I would, know the answer. But. Well,
3: I think I would cover basketball. People know I love it. But I've also said many times it's not something I would want to become a job. Uh, so the right answer at the, at right now is actually probably football, uh, association football, international football, uh, not NFL, not American football, which I enjoy, which I enjoy. But I have no real feel for. Um, I'm just starting to get into football like we'll say soccer. We'll say soccer for the sake of the majority of our listeners, Mike. All right, I'll say soccer I'm just starting to get into soccer and I love it it took me years to I just didn't understand the structure of the tournaments and that there's so many different leagues and which league is more important than which and people tried to explain to me they did their best but it just wasn't clicking for me it's it's it's, it's on me it's it just wasn't clicking and I finally somehow over the like the, the last couple of years have really started into it so now I'm obsessed I would love to jump into that field and just be this eager like intern put soccer intern just absorb information because I know Pretty much nothing, but I'm, right now I'm obsessed with watching uh, all the soccer slash football that I can. So yeah, I'd actually pick that over basketball. So basketball could still just be a hobby, not something I'd be um, professionally invested in.
2: So I'm trying to find. There, there's one question people want to know the um, like our topology numbers.
3: Yes, yes from yes from Scott McRae. Yeah, did you bring? Go ahead. Did you bring Scott McRae asked us. Did you did you bring yours up, Mike?
2: I don't know how to find them.
3: Oh, okay. Uh, go to, this is riveting, a uh, uh, podcast. You should have my picks in your, go to your profile, my picks in your top right corner, my picks, my stats.
2: Let's see, my picks. My Let's
3: picks. go to my picks. And it should be next to your name and your, your belt. Oh, okay, all right, I got them, I got them. Oh boy, I, my number shocked me. You, go, you can go first.
2: So, I predicted 59.2% correct yeah. mm-hmm. uh, since I started with MMA fighting, because that was the only time I really predicted anything. My record is 1,113 correct picks to 768 incorrect picks, 102 perfects, 292 decisions. <laughs> perfect. Where are you at?
3: Uh, we should note we also do uh, the occasional Bell Tour, like main card, uh, big Bell Tour fights, and try to think. So, this isn't just UFC, but yeah, I'm. Only slightly better, Mike, at sixty-one percent. Uh, and I think I was doing picks before you were uh, before you had joined MMA fighting. So I was I'm at one thousand five hundred fourteen correct, close to a thousand losses, nine hundred sixty six, and then uh, one fifty five perfects, four nineteen decisions. But yeah, I am not uh, someone who's going to boast about their topology picks unless I get a perfect card. If I get a perfect card, which I think I did once since I've been doing topology, uh, I'll probably like put it on social media. But other than that, you're really not going to hear me going like, yeah, I get good picks most of the time. Uh picking fights is hard. Picking fights is hard. I would love to know the number if you just like picked favorites all year. I bet it would be close to like 64 or 65%. Um if you just went shock the entire year and just talk about UFC. But um yeah, this is what happens when you, you know, you 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 try to analyze, you think you know a lot. Guess what? Turns out you know nothing. So not I am not a picks expert. And
2: I uh, read my predictions every week on mafighting.com. My record's actually better than I thought it was. <laughs> But I like, I need to, I think I need to change my strategy okay. to just picking who I think is going to win every fight and not just, I have to pick ha- to win that week. What have you been doing? So for like, for the most part, if there's obvious ones, I'll pick like the obvious winners, but there are certain spots. I and I've talked about this before, certain times when we do these picks, I have to pick my spots because I want to win every week. So I don't want to pick exactly the same as everybody else. Uh, uh. So I have to pick a spot and like try to pick a dog and pick an upset here and there. When I should just be picking, like who's just gonna win. So I might have to change my strategy. I I take chances to win. I have to think more long term than short term. But this game messes with you though, because
3: sometimes you have such a strong (laughs) feel. It does, right? When you initially see a matchup, you're like, "Oh well, this is it." Like that, I pretty obvious this guy's gonna win i'm in on that and then as you get closer to fight week my goodness we analyze we talk about it we analyze we talk about it we break it down 500 different ways in the lead up to a big fight and then by the time you get to uh, a predictions time you're just like oh man like now i've considered every possibility when your first instinct was probably just like the best way to go so it's it, the game, the game really messes with you, and uh, there are much smarter people than us, Mike, when it comes to you know picking, especially for gambling. Don't listen to me when it comes to gambling, I'll tell you that much. Um, there's much smarter people on that. Uh, uh Jed Michoud, uh, 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 GC, Connor Burks, listen to No Bet's Bar, they'll at least give you some, some idea of how to make some money, but um, otherwise, uh, I do not consider myself a predictions expert.
2: I think for the next watch party I do, I'm gonna have my kid just make the picks for me,
3: yeah. Probably can't do any worse than us. Honestly, can't do any worse.
2: That was one of my like, first pieces of YouTube content I did. Was I would sit <laughs> with my six-year-old at the time. And he would, I would just read the names and he would pick them. And he would, have, he would do really well. Like He had a winning record with his picks. He couldn't pronounce half the names, but he did pretty damn good. So, <laughs> AK, uh, why don't you pick the next question? Sure, I will grab one.
3: Um, well, you know, you mentioned... Okay, hold on. Oh, I like this. Okay, from CV, who DM'd me on uh, Instagram. What's up, CV? Uh, One of them, uh, I can answer quickly. Will you be boots on the ground for UFC 297? Yes, I will definitely be covering that, assuming it is in Toronto. I don't think we've got the... No, we've got the official announcement, right? Official?
2: It's official? it's going to be in Toronto.
3: Okay. I will be there. Fingers crossed. I'll have some sort of backup. I would love it if, uh you know, uh, our our, our man, uh, constant man on the um, boots on the ground, uh, Jose Youngs, was there with me. Or an EKC Leiden, it would be a beautiful beautiful thing but if it's just me i'll figure something out i'll be there uh, uh cv says i don't think i'm going because i feel like the new main event is going to be mid uh vacant women's bantamweight championship uh, that's not how dare you that's not mid that's you should definitely be there uh would be dope to have a chance to meet yes yeah, cv if you are there uh, dm me we'll figure out a way to uh to say hello to each other and then question for you and mike if you were stuck in an elevator for an hour with three fighters dead or alive who would it be uh and are you picking And you can pick either. Uh, who would be, who would be like the best to help you escape or just like, I think just to hang out with. Okay.
2: Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. I'm going with the hangout.
3: You're going with the hangout. This, is, I think I this will could not it. be go, easier. Yeah. I'll
2: go with the hangout. This could not be easier. It's Brandon Moreno, Derek Lewis, and Nate Diaz. <laughs> that's it. Those are the three. Nate
3: Diaz is definitely going to keep you calm. He's going to have, right away, if anyone's freaking out, he'll he'll find a way to keep everybody calm. I'm not gonna, I don't need to say how, but I think we all know. He'll, he'll be <laughs> ready. He's ready for these situations, is what I'm
2: saying. Uh, I think Derek, Derek Lewis, Lewis would yeah. probably be as well, and Brandon yeah. Murray would just giggle at everything, and it'd be incredible. Yeah, a, lot of, a lot of positivity. The real prince of
3: positivity. And yeah, Derek Lewis would just be hilarious. I mean, Derek Lewis would just be dropping bombs, gallows humor. Uh, that's a good one. I, I'm going with the, like, if I if I can sort of I don't know. This is almost like the dinner question. You know, like who what who would you sit with for for a dinner, but like a little different cuz you're stuck in an elevator, it's not quite as comfortable, but it's not super different. GSP I think would make my list. Uh both again because I think he'd be cool to hang out with. I'd love to just talk to him and also someone who in that situation would have like some insightful thoughts on you know on how to handle. He he he'd wax poetic about being stuck in an elevator and and I like that a lot. Um does it have to oh it has to be fighters, dead or alive? I already I already trotted out Kimbo for our Ryzen question. Um I like Nat Nate Landware a lot. I know again, there's another guy we just mentioned earlier in the show, but he's just got a matter of fact way about him. I feel he, like he'd have some some homespun wisdom again that would sort of keep me calm. He also have a lot of stories, and Mike, we could sort of tell him about like the nine million fights that we booked for him and just sort of just sort of like get a gauge of uh of what he thinks of all that. And then the last
4: person, this is tough. I, <laughs> I just, I was like, I just had a horrible thought. I, I weirdly, I was
3: going to say, I don't know why it's popped in my head. So I'll just go with it. Uh, Henry Cejudo. I've said so many things about how this man annoys me. Um, but he'd also have a lot of stories. He'd have a lot of stories, not just about uh, MMA, but about, you know, coming up in wrestling and things like that. And uh, some of these stories may not be true but i think i need a little bit of contrast i can't just be in the elevator with my favorite people mike i think i need someone to stir the pot and uh maybe even annoy me a little bit just to make it a memorable experience and then you know what worst comes to worst uh me and gsp can complain about henry later when we're when we're uh after we've escaped and we're exchanging text messages so yeah i'll go i'll go with that kind of a weird choice but it popped into my head so it must be first
2: thought best thought that's a good one because honestly i think i would Come out of that elevator, really liking Henry Cejudo. I don't know because <laughs> we wouldn't get we w- no because we wouldn't get the guy that annoys us. We'd get the real guy. We wouldn't get the shit guy. So. We'd get the real dude. Ugh, the one know. that everyone tells me is like the greatest guy ever, but we don't get to really see that guy. We get to see him a little bit at media day when he opens up. We get like that version of Henry, and you could tell like it's the real guy, but not twitter henry with the crown on that you see in the videos no that guy i don't know whatever he's doing is working because he still finds his way in big fights and I, it, it's wild after screwing over the ufc
3: he just popped into my head so he's t- he's literally taking up brain space and uh how can i deny that uh one more thing from uh, uh, mjh mjh also asked uh on igdm uh mike uh, if if it was in toronto what would it take for us to do a live watch party i mean really it wouldn't be possible because i'd be there i'd be there so that's the only thing that would stop it but I'll, I'll. If anything, I'll come to. I'll hopefully be able to come to New York sometime and uh, join you and join you in GC. But we'll see. Fingers crossed.
2: So with the watch party, like my goal, like one of my goals. I don't know how realistic this is, but one of my goals with the watch party would be to do it in the same city as the event. Just find a spot. Yeah. It's hard to get tickets, man. Like, it's hard to get tickets to a UFC event. And they charge astronomical money for it. And I feel bad for anybody who bought tickets to MSG to watch John Jones versus Stipe for that sole purpose. Because you spend a crap ton of money on that. But one of of the things I would love to do is find like a, not even like a theater, just like a big open bar space. And we do the show. We do the watch party. Like, me and GC on like recliners watching the fights where there's people there watching the fights as well. Like we can't show the TVs, but there's just people in there like watching the same screen we're watching. And I think that would be like incredibly fun. And we get like the crowd reaction behind it. And we just charge like a, a nominal fee, like 10 bucks to get in and like find a spot. It's like a hundred, 200 people. Like I think that'd be incredibly fun. Knockout. That's so what people would love to yeah. do someday. We'd Get people's immediate be...
3: reactions. Get people's immediate reactions. Come up here like, oh, what do you think of that knockout? Uh New York Rick could pop in and he wouldn't ruin fights for you guys by watching a different stream. <sighs> so that would be <laughs> He's the dad
2: Jackson of the Watch so Party. Offside. You're gonna have to ban him for like three weeks.
3: That was so uh, and I people know I love New York Rick. That was one of the most offside things I've seen. I was like, yeah. are you kidding me? I was so mad, dude. Are you kidding me, man?
2: I love New York Rick, but that made me really <laughs> upset. All right. So like i I don't even know if I said this slide, but I definitely said this to you off air that there's like two questions that I saw and I like actually thought about, and this is a really tough question, so I'm gonna go with it uh manic Hispanic twelve on Twitter What is a fight you hate that everyone loves, and what is a fight you love
4: that everyone hates? so this is
2: almost impossible to answer, so I'm just going to contextualize this the way I view it. The fight that I love that everybody hates is a fight that if we went back, if we all went back and watched it now, and we took all context out of it, and we took all opinions we had that, that night watching it, and re-watched it as like just a fight on it, uh, in and of itself, I think everyone would love it. It'd be one of people's favorite fights of all time. I'm going with the rematch, the second fight between Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway because that fight is incredible, but the but people hate it because of the whole quote-unquote robbery talks, and everyone thought Max Holloway won that fight, and it's just amazing now that we look back on Volkanovsky-Makachev won, and everyone thought Volk- Won that So many people thought Volk won that fight, and then Islam killed him in the, in the rematch. I thought, I've watched that fight probably a hundred times since it happened, because the amount of hate that I got on Twitter, and I don't get a lot of hate on Twitter. I feel like people are just, like, I'm pretty even keel. I get a couple of haters, but I, I feel like we were, I have a pretty good thing on Twitter. But the amount of hate I got for just simply tweeting, guys, Volkanovsky Holloway is not a robbery. It just wasn't. I got murdered for that. And I'm like, it was a super close fight. Like that was like the beginning of this whole, like, what's a robbery and what isn't a robbery. That fight wasn't a robbery. Volkanovsky won. He won three rounds to two. Holloway on the first two rounds. Volk won three, four, and five. Incredible fight. But the reaction in the aftermath was it was a robbery. Holloway should have been the champion. He got screwed. So people hate that fight because Holloway didn't win the title. The fight I hate that everyone loves. This was like incredibly hard. My first thought was was, ki- was Kimbo Dada. But then I like I actually really love that fight. Yeah, for, you like, don't hate that. The most hilarious reason. I reasons. know what you
3: mean. I know what you mean. Why? You, you, but you've uh, you don't hate it. But you know, knowing the kind of the aftermath of it and all the stuff surrounding it, it does. It does cast a bit of a pall over it.
2: But I if someone asks me right now, like I'll pull up any fight you want right now. I'd probably pick that one. Like, it's up there. I would have to. It's not a fight that I've seen in years. So I'd probably want to watch it again. The fight I. So this is. I landed on this one. And it's so weird because. And I'm I'm thinking about this the complete opposite of Volkanovski Holloway. I'm thinking about it the moment I watched it. It was actually my pick for knockout of the year and fight of the year in 2021. But I'm picking this one. It was Yuri Prohashka versus Dominic Reyes. And the reason I say that is because I legitimately, in the moment, thought that Yuri Prohashka killed Dominic Reyes with that spinning back elbow. Like I thought Dominic Reyes might be dead for a split second. The way he collapsed to the ground, the way he was just laying on the floor like that, After that crazy fight, it was, when I think of moments in the sport where I was legitimately scared for the guy who lost and was like, oh my God, like something really bad could have just happened. That's the first one that pops in my mind. That's the one where I was like, dude, he's not, he might not get up and it wouldn't shock me. It was just a scary moment watching the fight. And it was an incredible fight and an incredible finish. That's why I nominated it so high on both those lists. And I think I was the only one to pick those for both that year. But that was like one of those moments where I was like, man, I love this sport so much, but I kind of hate it too. Because it's so dangerous and you have a moment like that. And I thought Dominic Reyes would never fight again after that.
3: Yeah, that's always a good reason, I think, to like say I don't want to watch a fight again or I don't view a fight as well when someone gets when there's such a nasty fin- I'm like that with um, Chuck and Rashad. I, 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 and I, I, a lot of people hate that oh, fight man. just because they didn't like Rashad Evans. Uh, they, re- they loved Chuck still. They kind of didn't like Rashad. And then when Rashad knocked him out, I think Rashad was booed whenever they showed him in the crowd at like every other event after, even after he won the title, I think he kept getting booed when they showed him on screen. Um, and one of the main reasons was because uh, he, they did not forgive him for knocking out Chuck. And I thought he broke Chuck's neck. So, nothing wrong with that fight. It's not a bad fight. It's not a bad knockout. It's an amazing knockout. I just, every time I see that clip, I get a little, a little squirrely. Um, so, that's a good reason. Uh, I don't really have one. You know what? I'll throw <laughs> It's not that I hate this fight. It's that it, it makes me feel bad when it gets brought up. Because when Cub Swanson and uh, Duo Choi fought, I was there. But, I can't remember why. I did not, like, I was there covering it Um, for, for some for some it, I think maybe I was with the score at the time, not in a fight i i don't know if i was doing a scrum or something or i was lost in the sauce uh trying to get some sort of inside inter- interview i don't remember i did not see that fight live i was <laughs> i was in the building and did not see that fight live a hall of fame battle one of the greatest fights people would say in in uh modern ufc history I totally missed it every time people bring it up i'm just like you know what i suck i missed it so i don't hate the fight maybe i just hate myself and that's worse um a fight you love that everyone hates mike i'm along the same lines as you it's it's uh all this robbery talk lately has really spoiled the discourse surrounding some great fights so volkanovsky uh, holloway 2 is a great example for me it's the sean o'malley Piotr Jan fight because i don't like sean o'malley as a person really at all but that fight was awesome and i think he won fair and square you could score it for Jan too i have no problem with it but I rarely hear people talking about that fight as like one of the great fights of 2022 or, or was it 2022, 2022 or 2021 by now? 2022. 22. God, my life moves fast. I, I think it made people's list. I know it was on my ballot. Um, people just forget like how well O'Malley was doing and how much it surprised people. And I always tell people like, if, we, if I could find a live feed of the social media responses during the fight so much of it was like win or lose O'Malley's really proven holy like like he belongs with the top three like this guy's really good and then as soon as he won that very close decision holy crap it turned around a lot not sweet people in the media but just sort of more fans going like oh what a run like this is this is crap like he got dominated it's like he, he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have won I'm like we got to get over the scoring thing guys just enjoy a fight for what it is and if someone you didn't you don't like wins or someone you didn't expect to win wins you gotta get over it real fast um I don't think judging is as bad as people think it is. We do see the occasional bad card. I actually think overall it's it's fine. It's a scoring system that's screwed up. But yeah, well, uh, uh, there's a lot of fights like this. But this is this is the biggest example for me recently. A great, I thought a great, great fight. One of, one of my favorite fights in recent memory. And you just only hear uh, people talking about the controversial the controversial scoring and how much they hate O'Malley, which is hilarious. And I was uh, when I did the robbery review, Mike, and I scored it for. I said O'Malley's win was fine. I was getting accused of being like an O'Malley uh, like fan, like I biased towards O'Malley and I'm like, this is so weird. <laughs> I've never heard this before. It wasn't a robbery. It wasn't a robbery. <laughs> it wasn't. It was a great fight. It was such a good fight. I love, I really like that fight. All
2: right, we're we're gonna take I'll you pick All right. one more AK and then we're gonna take a commercial okay. break here. So AK, go ahead.
3: Well, all right then. I won't waste too much time. Let's go right to the next question. And, and somewhat, some relevant news. Uh, re- two related questions from to Do twenty three on Twitter: Has Hamza become on, underrated? Seems like he's judged on a grading scale no other fighter has before. People expect a first round KO every time. And uh, D Brooks, ah, uh, uh, DM me a similar question. Uh, do you think COVID turned Hamza to more of just a first round fighter because uh, his his uh, you know he had his battle with it may have affected his gas tank? Um He there was you know thoughts he might retire and then he's you know been very inactive since. So they're kind of related questions. Mike, do you think uh, he's become underrated? Do you think his cardio is shot? Um, what's it, what what are you thinking about after that uh, the Usman fight? I
2: think COVID had. I think that bout of COVID had an effect on him in some way. But I think the first question is a little more interesting. Has he become underrated? It seems like because he it he is judged on a because I remember. You you mentioned the you were covering the Cub Swanson Duho Choi fight. I was covering in Jacksonville the Hamzat Shammai Gilbert Burns fight. I was in the building, but I wasn't watching it cage side. I was watching it in the back, and the arena was like the media room was shaking with how the fans are reacting to it. But I'm watching it backstage with like Oscar Willis and a few other people, and we're just like mesmerized by everything that is happening here. And I asked Dana White. The press conference, I said, Have you ever seen anything like Hamzat? Because all week in Jacksonville, the reason anybody wanted to talk to me about anything fight related was about Hamzat Shemaev and Gilbert Burns. It had nothing to do with Volkanovsky Zombie, it had nothing to do with Aljamain Sterling, Piotr Jan. I think that co main event actually built up pretty well throughout the week, but it was the Hamzat Shemaev show all day long. And I mentioned Connor McGregor to Dana, and I was like, Look, we, we dealt with this with Connor. But I feel like Hamzad is different because with Connor, and I remember one of the first memes I've ever seen with MMA was it was this picture of Connor McGregor, and it was like a list of things Connor had to accomplish before people started to believe in him. He's got to beat a guy with so many fights. he's got to beat a top fifteen guy. He's got to beat a wrestler, he's got to beat a striker. and then the last one after he's got to win we got to win a title. now he's got to win the undisputed title. and then the last thing was. He's got to beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania after everything else was crossed off. And it was friggin' hilarious. <laughs> so with, when Connor was built up, it was like all these questions like, nah, eh, he's not that good. UFC's just building him up. What if he faces a leg kicker? He's not going to do it. When he faces a wrestler, he's screwed. And he goes out and just beats everybody. And there's still all these questions. With Hamzad, It was just like, he's going to kill everybody. And it's just a whole different thing. There were no doubts about Hamzad. So it's never. I've never really seen anything quite like it. And I do feel like he is graded in a way that no other fighter has before. And this includes Conor McGregor. Because so much criticism from the Gilbert Burns fight, and I don't get it. It was a crazy-ass fight. Hamzat didn't stick to the game plan for sure. He got lured into a war, and he won. He won the fight. And I understand the criticism with the Usman fight. He looked like the greatest fighter that has ever walked planet Earth for 5 minutes against Kamar Usman. No one has ever dominated Kamar Usman like that ever in any any fight throughout Usman's Hall of Fame career. And Hamza Diddy 10 aided Kamar Usman. Doesn't happen. And then he slowed down, had the hand injury, different guy. But then even in round 3 when the momentum was fully with Usman, he found a way to win. And that to me I understand why there's trepidation now. Maybe the gas tank's a question. Maybe the layoff. There's a number of things that could have gone to that. He went from Paulo Costa, who everyone thought he was going to kill, to fighting Kamar Usman on 11 days notice. It's a completely different fight, and he still found a way to win. That, to me, is incredibly impressive, because if you can show up against top-level guys, not have your fastball, not have your best stuff, but still win, that to me is more important than Shamayev getting first round finishes. Having that sort of championship medal makes you great. Those are the things that make you great. may not be the best performance. You have great moments, but you won. He didn't lose to Usman. Now, if he lost that fight or if it was a draw, we're having a whole different conversation. But Shamayev won the fight. So yes, I do think he's... I don't know if underrated is the right word, but unfairly judged, I guess I will say. But I understand why there's questions. And his next fight is going to be super important. If he ends up fighting Sean Strickland, I'll tell you what, man, if that performance did anything, it made me way more interested in the potential Sean Strickland versus Hamza Shamaya fight. Because if that fight gets to round two, Sean Strickland is live, And it's way more interesting than I thought it was going to be.
3: Yeah, I I'll also kind of avoid using the word underrated. I think he's getting closer to properly rated, maybe, if anything. I think I think the Gilbert Burns and Usman fights gave us a gauge of, of um how good he how good he is right now. Because we were saying for the longest time, Usman should have called him out eighteen months ago or whatever, you know, when whenever he still had the title, he should have made Hamza one of those defenses because Hamza probably is not as good as he's you know at the time was not as good as he was going to be right now he's probably not as good as he's going to be i still think there's a ceiling with him maybe it's improving the cardio maybe it's just rounding out his game i think there's still a ceiling and i think if he fought usman at 170 uh, a couple of years ago i think usman now after seeing this maybe probably beat some um, so we are getting i think a, a better gauge of where he actually is now Uh, And I can say this also as someone who I think overrates him. Like, I think I have been overrating Hamzat. I'm kind of buying into some of these excuses, like the Gilbert Burns fight. Oh, he just didn't stick to the game plan. Um, The Usman fight, there's rumors that, like, he broke his hand in round one. So, like, for me, as someone who thinks that he is one of the 10, maybe 10 best pound for pound fighters in the world, I'm, like, nodding my head when I see these excuses. I'm like, oh, okay, that explains that. That explains that. But at some point... He does have to fight one of these elite guys and beat them, and then I, we need to hear no excuses after. And he hopefully has to win convincingly because Burns' fight was great. Usman fight gutted it out, as you said, Mike. Neither was a super convincing. Like, oh, this guy is like far and away better than Gil Burns. This guy's far and away better than Usman. He didn't outclass them. Um, and and so and so, while that may sound unfair, that we're saying like we're you know mentioning that as a negative, uh, it it like I said this is how we properly rate someone we're actually getting a real gauge for how he fares against this level of competition and i think that's a good thing so we're very hard on him but that's because uh i think we're seeing the real him and the real him is pretty good mike
2: it's pretty good it's pretty pretty, <laughs> pretty pretty good there are, we got more questions but we're gonna take a short break when we come back we're gonna answer the rest of them or as many as we can get to right here and on to the next one the podcast
1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to a very special edition of On to the Next One as we continue answering your questions. Since once again, no UFC event, we do this from time to time. AK, I'm not sure if you're up or I'm up, but I'm going to defer to you, my best friend, to pick the next question.
3: Oh, dear. All right, I'll go to our pal, uh, Casey Carpenter, who has kind of a, a facetious question. Um, Casey asks on Twitter, with it looking like Steve career is over, well, we don't know that. Uh, How long will the damn, uh, damn they were good episode be, considering that he is Jed's favorite fighter of all time? And what is your guy's pro wrestling Mount Rushmore? So, two separate, unrelated questions. We'll talk about uh, Steve A first. Um, Steve A will not get one. And I'm not just saying that because uh Jed is not actually not a fan of steve he's 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 made it pretty clear he's not uh it's not his favorite fighter as as casey jokes uh before i get into that like why mike do, do you understand you, are you okay with that would you want to see steve miocic get a damn they were good episode
2: i mean i feel like he has to right i don't know how? Like, how could he not? He's the, I feel like
3: we're getting the most away... decorated
2: UFC heavyweight champion of all time as of right now. What does that
3: really mean? I feel like we're getting away from the... the cause I, oh, this is this is the Jed in me speaking, by the way. I am doing... Uh, if you pitch this to Jed, what Jed's response would be. Uh, I feel like we're getting away from the spirit of what Dam is. I think I think because... Because there's these guys like, like, you know, Carlos Conde. We did one, Cowboy. Like, kind of fighters who world championship level maybe never quite made it or won an interim title or challenge didn't win it uh, but had you know super important memorable careers and then a little further than that fighters who were like so dominant and so influential and so important to their you know to their era which is why i think they just did anderson silva then bj penn in the past uh stipe again this is jed this is not me this is jed stipe yes holds the record statistically for the most heavyweight title defenses but it is kind of a dubious record it's just not a very high record just the nature of heavyweight right because we did fedor you know fedor when we think heavyweight dominance we think fedor stipe we should but i don't know i've just never looked at him that way i've never looked at him with that mystique which maybe is why he does need to have a damn done i don't know but i feel like um based on what i feel like our judge criteria are uh stipe might not make the cut but i don't know i don't know uh mike think i'm, I'm crazy being crazy here so
2: you think like mirko krokop will get one yes but stipe won't
3: yes Ex- yes correct correct Stepe's in that limbo between clearly a great fighter uh obviously a well-recognized world champion but does he have a does he have a sexy career that jed would want to highlight i don't know I, I, I won't speak for him he may have to do it someday through gritted teeth but i think to answer the question there's a good chance even if he does get one it's gonna be a while it's gonna be a while before you see one
2: true or false mm-hmm. one day we will do a dan they were good on rich franklin i
3: i would say false and i hate to okay. do it because if you said also, true to that then we had a yeah bae. right I will say false, but I hate to say it almost because he's kind of an example of a guy that, like, within ten years, people are going to be like, oh, who's Rich Franklin?" Oh, just the guy that Anderson Silva beat. And someone almost feels like you have to for historical purposes. So maybe that's the th- maybe that's He'd how Bay will. He would be. Maybe that's how Bay will sneak in down the road if we are worried that like, you know, some new hotness and heavyweights come along and everyone's not even talking about this era of of heavyweights. We're like, well, you know, there was a guy during this era who defended the heavyweight title uh, three times and also beat a beat a number of notable heavyweights. So it might. Do it. And by that time, uh, Jed may have just passed a long dam to someone else. Then Stipe will definitely get one. But
2: as long as Jed's there, I don't know. What if he beats know, John Jones?
3: Oh, that will be our wager. When this fight gets rebooked, I say when, I'm pretty sure it will be. When this fight gets rebooked, we have to tell Jed if Stepe wins, uh, not only is he getting a dam, he's the next dam. He's the next, after he, if he retires, if he beats John Jones yeah. and then retires, it's an immediate dam within within the next 10 days there has to be a damn there good episode on steve
2: bay so and knowing to, and he has to be part of it so knowing jed yes he is who he is he is mr Dogray area i do feel that once him and john fight and steve bay announces his retirement that we will immediately do one on him for like seo purposes like just just, just just, for the good of the website.
3: What if Jed asks you to host it? What if he says, Mike, take it away. You've been on the show. You know the format.
4: I'm sick I would this do week. Yeah,
3: I know you would. Um, wouldn't,
4: you, wouldn't
3: you want to make him do it?
4: So how long will it be?
2: It'll be two and a half hours, like every other one. Because <laughs> we'll just have things to say. Yeah. like We'll just talk about it. The Mount Rushmore is like an hour by itself. And then we get into all the other categories. So, I, I'm with you. I feel like if we don't get, like if we don't get a Stepe one, I won't be shocked. But I'll say 58 42, we get one.
3: Uh, I'm already thinking about the casting, the, the movie casting.
2: If only, if only
3: like Woody Harrelson was younger, <laughs> I feel he could have done a good Stepe. They're not, they're not sound alike, but I feel like he's a great actor. He could have done some sort of A approximation.
2: But we've got to get a little bit of a good wow. Ooh, I like, like that. young Younger Liam Neeson. Yeah, yeah. Obviously both not cases, yeah. today's Liam Neeson. But what's your uh, pro wrestling Mount Rushmore, AK?
3: Mine's pretty easy. And I, and we've had this discussion a couple of times on Slack. And this has to be personal because if you want to go like historical, there's just so many arguments to be made about like, I mean, you could have Hulk Hogan on it. You could have, you know, so-called Steve Austin. You got to go way back. You can get, you got go, to go, I think you have to go international, like Rikudazan and then like El Santo in Mexico. So I think anytime someone is saying a Mount Rushmore of, wrestling you just have to be speaking personally so for me who sort of formed my interest uh stone so stone cold steve austin's mine online because he's my favorite probably just number one favorite pro wrestler ever uh Shawn michaels i think i would throw on there i just think he's just so influential to pretty much every wrestler you see on tv today like he kind of invented that this this main event style main event tv style that we see um I feel like I'm missing some sort of Haas name, obvious Haas name on here. I will say I have to have Rey Mysterio. I'm a huge Rey Mysterio guy. I know there's, you know, people say, oh, I'm sure there's more influential high flyers out there, but like in North America, not North America, I say, specifically in the United States, um, you know, he brought that uh, with up with ECW and WCW. And just like there's so many, you can't, most people who, again, are just fans of American wrestling cannot look at a high flyer, a mass high flyer, and not think Rey Mysterio. So that's, so that's a pretty big deal. Uh, I'm struggling for a fourth name right now, and we're just talking wrestlers, right? Uh, Mike, go ahead. We'll, fill, fill out some of yours, and then I'll, I'll think of a fourth one. Um,
2: I mean, it, like you can textualize this in in many ways, and you could do multiple Mount Rushmore for different categories. But I'll probably like I probably just go with like the game changers oh, okay. uh, of my lifetime. So it's Flair, Hogan, Austin, Rock. Like it's got like that's it. Those that's are the a four. One. Now, if we're doing like best performers. I mean, cause you can, you can even put like, you could even take like Hogan, like Flair out and put Cena in there. I mean, sure. it, it was a huge star and all of that, but there's, I mean, there's so many other ways you look at it. Best workers, Flair would have to be in that one as well. Shawn Michaels is definitely in there. And then there's a whole bunch of other ways you can go as well. Kurt Angle's probably up there. It, there's just so many ways you can, you can go at this, but that's probably it for me. Like Flair was giant star. Hogan, giant star. Austin took the reins, became the biggest star in the history of the business, and Rock was like just behind him. And once Austin left, Rock took the reins, and WWE is still putting up like ridiculous numbers and ridiculous crowds and and all that stuff. So, but Rock's probably my all time favorite wrestler. He's the guy that, like, obviously Austin was big, but Rock's the one that, like, made me watch Raw every Monday. And I'm not talking like Rock with WWF champion Rock. I'm talking. Nation Rock, they gave him a microphone, started talking in a third person, intercontinental title. I brought a sign to WrestleMania 14 when everybody hated The Rock that said, Ken Shamrock, question mark? The Rock thinks you should fire him. <laughs> brought that sign. True story. What a I, went to, I went to my sophomore year in high school. Was it a sophomore or a freshman year? Sophomore year in high school, I went to the Halloween dance as The Rock. Had the leopard shirt on, left it open. Padded on sideburns, sunglasses, the jewelry, like not wrestler rock, cutting the promo rock with the $500 shirt rock. That's, that's how I rolled. And costume was a big hit, AK.
3: This is before everyone started doing the, uh, the rock, the black uh, turtleneck fanny pack uh, photo uh, yeah, this re- is, recreation.
2: <laughs> rock was like way over at this point. Uh, yeah, he was wearing the leopard shirts and all that crap. And yeah, I looked, I looked pretty damn good that night.
3: I get, I guess I got to throw in Brett. I guess I got I to yeah, go Canadian. Got to throw my boy Brett. But it's funny because I almost feel like I have to choose between him and Sean. And this is like blasphemy. I would pick Sean. And um, if I was picking just like my favorite in ring performer, like just whatever, how you you want to quantify like wrestling ability, it's actually Brian Danielson would actually be number one, not Brett, but Brett is pretty influential. So yeah. um, and just just looks like he belongs on the on list like that. So I'll, I'll him and Mysterio, uh, Austin, and um, whatever the other one I said.
2: We could do like a whole roundtable about this
3: someday. It could, it could, and again, it, you're right. It really depends on what it is you're, you know, what it is you're evaluating by. There's just, there's just so many ways to go about it.
2: All right. Let's see what we got here. So I'm just going to ask two. I'm just going to do two of them real quick. Uh, Robe sent me an email. Will you guys do the prediction shows again for 2024 and the recap for 2023? If Royval wins in December, AK probably wins. No, thanks. Yes, we're definitely doing those. Those are my favorite mm-hmm. shows of the year on this entire network. So we're definitely doing those. So stay tuned for that. Uh, But I'll ask the question before that. Got an email from Melissa. Hey, Mike and AK. I became a fan in the middle of the pandemic, so I'm not a historian by any means. But listening to all of your shows, you guys have said many times that 2023 has been a chaotic year in the sport. I've also heard you say, Mike, that you believe it would take a lot to surpass 2016 as the craziest year. So if everything that has already happened, injuries, Jones, Izzy KO, Islam Volk twice, cancellations galore, Sean O'Malley, Sean Strickland, and everything else, is there any way 2013 could beat out 2016 for the craziest year in UFC history? Is it possible, AK? Because I mean, for he... those who don't remember in 2016.
3: Go ahead. Yeah, guys, give them the rundown. Give them the rundown.
2: We had Conor McGregor was supposed to fight Hatfield Osanjos <laughs> oh for gosh. the lightweight title. <laughs> Yes. RDA gets hurt. Nate Diaz steps in. They do the fight at 170 and Nate Diaz submits Conor McGregor at UFC 196. And that turned the whole sport upside down. Everything changed. Like the whole year changed everything about it. Then UFC 199 happens. Michael Bisbing becomes the middleweight champion. Short notice. Knocks out Luke Rockold. UFC 199, by the way, I know, especially with this here website, there's a lot of bad juju that comes with that. But that card is incredible. Like, that might be the. From what expectations were heading in to what it actually was, it might be the most overperforming card in the history of the UFC. We got the Brock Lesnar announcement. We got. Connor, Nate, too, officially announced. Ariel reported both of those beforehand, which is what led to all the craziness at 199. And then 200 comes along, which, by the way, McGregor and Nate were supposed to originally headline that card. That was all the rumor and innuendo. And then Nate was just like, nah, dude, not doing it. Connor's like, yeah, I'm not doing it either, essentially. <laughs> and then we were supposed to get Amanda Nunes versus Mecha Tate, Frankie Edgar-Jose Aldo, and then we we're supposed to get, in the main event, John Jones versus Daniel Cormier. And John Jones tests positive right before UFC 200. He's off the card. There's a crazy video. I think it's from an embedded or just like a a vlog of Dana telling DC that John's out of the fight. And DC just loses it in like one of the most raw moments you'll ever see. And then freaking Anderson Silva comes in on two days notice and fights Daniel Cormier at UFC 200. Amanda Nunes becomes the champion. All this just weirdness happens. And... On top of that, there are rumors flying around that the UFC is going to be sold. And right after UFC 200, despite all the, no, 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 it's all bullshit. If you don't hear from us, it ain't true. And that's all bullshit. They get sold to Endeavor over $4 billion. Big deal. And then the year just carries on. UFC 202, we get Conor Nate 2 and everything that happened there. Then we get the UFC getting legalized in New York that year and they go to Madison Square Garden for UFC 205. Conor McGregor, with one of the all-time great performances in the history of the sport, just rolls Eddie Alvarez to become a two-division champion, like a legit, the first two-division champion. We get Wonderboy Tyron Woodley, a fight that's often forgotten. We get the moment Khabib Nurmagomedov is a made man, and it wasn't even on the main card. All the great Misha Tate retires, like so much shit happened. That year, Ronda Rousey. Like, uh, just so much happened. So much happened. Ronda Rousey the year before. Misha Tate becomes the champion, and like the craziest fight with all Like, so much happened in 2016. I'm probably missing a bunch too.
3: Uh, I'm also looking UFC. It started. It started with Lawler Condit.
2: Yeah, yeah Lawler Condit, in, in, in my history. My favorite <laughs> fight of all time. Yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, okay, you know what? I was free agency
2: to- free agency was a big thing in 2016 too that's when really that those talks started heating up was 2016
3: me being mr goldfish mr uh recency bias i was about to say it already has a 23, 23 has already surpassed uh 2016 but now that i'm looking back on it it's hard to say i was gonna say just based on sheer volume just like how many crazy things but i realized like by 2016 the UFC already was almost in the current like uh, schedule slate we see now, forty something events. I forgot. i had forgotten that. I, forgot, I thought it was like more recently that we had fallen into the you know uh, two or three fight nights a month and a two or three fight nights and a pay per view every month. But I guess it's been that way for a while now, hasn't it? I guess it's been that way for a while now. So, yeah, uh, twenty sixteen very tough to beat. But and and I think the other reason we have to we can't say uh, twenty twenty three beat it is because. As you mentioned, Mike, the McGregor Dos Anjos fight falling apart was the domino that has sent us hurtling down this combat sports path that we still have not co- recovered from. We're still we're still falling. We're still falling and spinning through the chaos of uh, the repercussions of that fight not happening. Because there's a world where he fights RDA and RDA just beats him. That wins the decision. I don't know. Submits him. We don't know. Or, or he beats RDA and just Somehow the Nate Diaz fight still never happens. It's just he moves on to other things. Maybe maybe we still get the Eddie Alvarez fight right away. I don't know, but everything that's happened since are still the ripples. Sean Strickland beating Edison uh, is the ripples. Um, uh, Mak- Volkanovski coming in to fight Makachev on t- less than two weeks' notice. These are ripple. These are all ripples of this crazy thing. Because again, Volkanovski wanted to become a two division champion, like that, a, a, a simultaneous two division champion. That's because McGregor did what he did, you know, at Master Garden seven years ago. We're still feeling the ripples. So, uh, I, I, you're right. You're right. Thank you for framing, running that down and framing all of it. Because I was, I was about to go and say 2023 has already done it. But that's a great question. Um, that's a great Dude, question.
2: Thank you, Melissa. Dominic Cruz won the Bantamweight title that year on a fight night card against TJ Dillashaw in Boston. <laughs> And then, end of the year, on the wrong end of one of the all-time ass whoopings that went 25 minutes, Cody Garbrandt became the bantamweight champion. at The end of 2016, Crazy. Amanda Nunes. I mentioned Ronda Rousey. Amanda, the final pay-per-view main event, we got Co- we got Garbrandt running cruise out of the building, and then Amanda Nunes welcome back Ronda Rousey by just ethering her in 48 seconds. By the way, on top of all of that, yeah. Misha Tate's a champion. Demetrius Johnson annihilates Henry Cejudo. Stipe Miocic becomes the heavyweight champion. Knocks out Fabricio Doom. John Jones returns from suspension to fight Ovin St. Preux in just a stinker. Eddie Alvarez wins the lightweight title against Rafael dos Anjos, Not on pay-per-view. It was the Thursday card before UFC 200. And then the next night we got Yonnie and Jaycek, Claudia Gadelia, and a, in just one of the more underrated fights that women's MMA has had—a fight that doesn't get enough credit. Tyron Woodley wins the welterweight title. Stipe knocks out Alistair Overeem in Cleveland. CM Punk debuted at UFC 203. No, this was 2016. Yes, CM how, Punk lost a big. How long was this
3: year? How long was this? Was this year, like, f- was this 14 months in this year or something? How long was this year?
2: Michael Bisbing fights Dan insane. Henderson in his, own, in his first title defense. Uh, Demetrius Johnson defends the flyweight title on the Ultimate Fighter finale against Tim Elliott. Oh, so good. On that card as well. Max Holloway beats Anthony Pettis at UFC 206. We had Yo- Team Joanna versus Team Claudia on The Ultimate Fighter. We had th- Tough Latin America 3. We had Tough Tournament of Champions. Kicking off as well. It was a very busy year for The Ultimate Fighter in 2016, this AK. This can't be real. This
3: is- this someone edited this and added extra months, a- extra 2016 dates. This can- that was too much.
4: That's crazy. 2016 debuting fighters, AK. Maybe you recognize some of these names. Alex Morono.
2: Alexander Volkanovsky. Oh. Alexa Grasso. Brandon Moreno. CM Punk. <laughs> Chase <laughs> Sherman. Chris Avila debuted in 2016. Curtis Blades debuted in 2016. Devin Clark. Eric Spicely. Gregor Gillespie. Gregor Gillespie debuted in 2016. Gerald Mearshart debuted in 2016. Will Brooks debuted in the UFC in 2016. Champion Jack Hermanson, Jeremy Kennedy, Josh Emmett, Caitlin Jukagian, Caitlin Vieira. Who else we got? Marvin Vittori, Mike The Truth Jackson, (laughs) Mike Perry, Nico Price, Paul Craig, Randy Brown. Shane Burgos, Tatiana Suarez. Oh. Made her UFC debut in 2016. Tyson Pedro. And the list goes on and on. And we got the second UFC event at New York City. It was the first UFC event I ever covered, AK. Headlined in beautiful scenic Albany, New York by Derek Lewis versus Shamila Abdurrahima.
3: <laughs> was this a class and this was a classic Lewis win, right? It was like he was he would have lost, he was on his way to losing a decision and just smashed him.
2: And just smash them, yeah. Just smash him. Uh, we got Chris Cyborg versus Lena Landsberg. Uh, headlining, headlining a headlining, card. Headlining, headlining a, a card. fight night. Uh, we had a canceled card that year. BJ Penn was supposed to fight Ricardo Lamas in the Philippines, but that's BJ random. Penn got injured and they canceled the entire card. That's so random. Uh, what else do we have? There's one, oh, there's one I just saw. I was like, ooh, that's what. Oh, this was the year that Michael Johnson absolutely ethered Dustin Poirier. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just crazy. We had Yaya Rodriguez versus Alex Caseras headline a fight Great night. Fight. AK. Great fight. Holly Holm, Valentina Shevchenko headlined a UFC card. That was kind of like the real. That was like a big coming out party for Valentina Shevchenko. She looked incredible in that fight. We had dude. It, it, it's just a, it's just a crazy. This year. is insane. This is insane. Yeah. So Tim Johnson, Ryan Bader headlined a fight night. Twenty twenty three
3: super drunk, no question, way out of pocket, but I mean 2016 is is was the definition of chaos. So,
2: oh, I, you know, one, oh, more. one more one more crazy ahead, thing. Sorry. Uh, we actually had two canceled events that year. One actually wasn't canceled. It was supposed to be uh it was supposed to be a pay-per-view. It was supposed to be headlined by Fabricio Verdun versus Kane Velasquez. Kane Velasquez had a back injury. And Stipe was going to step in. And then Ferricio Verdum announced he was pulling out of the fight due to injury. So they took it off of pay-per-view, put it on FS1, and it was headlined by Steven Wonderboy Thompson knocking out Johnny Hendricks in the first round. That was 2016 as well. That was the debut of Mickey Gall (laughs) fighting Mike Jackson with the winner getting CM Punk. Like, talk about stakes stakes for a prelim fight. Earth, that was the fight past prelims winner versus CM Punk.
3: Uh, the part of the question, this question that was asked to us though, Mike, was can't, can't, is there any way that 2023 can pass 2016? So, somewhat suggesting, you know, 2023 is not over yet. Uh, I'm just looking ahead and just talking about UFC only. Boy, what could happen uh, if Derek Lewis knocks out uh, Jelton Almeida next week? Which I hope that doesn't happen because I'm a big Jelton fan. But if it did, that would be, that would add to it. That would add to it. It'd be a little nudge it a little bit closer. Uh, Prochka Pereira ending in a double knockout for sure would be like both, <laughs> both guys throw spinning back fists and just KO each other. That's taken up. But then you're like, okay, now we're getting near 2016 levels. Uh, I don't know what could happen in the Pavlovich Aspinall fight. Maybe someone winning the title by like DQ or something. Yeah. I'll, you know, Al I'll, I'll Jermaine style. Someone throws an illegal blow, something like that. Um, what else do you think? I think
2: Acadal going out and like running over Pavlovich would add to it. Sure, sure. At twelve that, days that notice be, after sure. coming back from a catastrophic injury. Uh what else? I'm just looking ahead.
3: I'm looking at for stakes. There's certainly a lot of fights that have, have, have potential to be wild. But... Colby Colby winning
2: would add to yes, it.
3: Yes. I I didn't want to go to the next. Yeah, I'm trying to look at anything in between those pay-per-views. Colby
2: Bilal Mohammed also debuted in 2016, by the way.
3: Damn. And still so hasn't gotten a title shot. Uh <laughs> so sorry, Bilal. You should get one. I don't know whether or not give me to. Uh, Colby winning for sure. Of course, the year of the dog. By the way, Mike, nice try trying to gloss over the person asking would I win the predictions again? Uh, would I win the 2023 oh, predictions? Oh, you definitely going de- win. I would win the predictions and <laughs> Otno in the same year. The treble, baby. The treble. Two, two podcast championships <laughs> in one year. I mean, Paddy Pimple versus Tony Ferguson. The fight existing is chaos, so I don't know what crazy thing could happen. Steven Thompson, I think, like head-kicking, shout would be wild. There's a lot of stuff. You're tempting fate right now.
2: Because what if Patty Tony falls apart? Don't say that, please. All this is for nothing.
3: We all need this. As a community, we need this to happen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that. Um, But yeah, I'm just looking at 296. And there's a lot of results that if they have like upsets or like the way a fight ended would be nuts. So I won't get into each and every one. But like Ian Machado Gary could get upset. Uh, what's guy
2: here? Uh, Tony uh, Col- beating Patty would definitely add to it. <laughs> Tony just beating Patty would definitely add him to him. it. Be hilarious. So there's only one. So for me, there's only one. Like all those things have to happen that you just said. Yes. Patty, to- Patty losing to Tony would be one of them. <laughs> Colby winning would be one of them. Uh, Jelton losing to Derek Lewis would be friggin' insane. Rival, rival, you're the raw right dog. You're the raw right dog. Yeah, throw that. That's just, that me. fight's just gonna be awesome. Yep, and it would just be a cool moment. But I don't know if that's like a game changing moment. But the correct answer is the only answer here, and even this might not be enough. All those things have to happen, plus this thing has to happen as well. Which by the time you are listening to this, it may have already happened. If Francis Ngannou beats Tyson Fury, <laughs> and all those other things happen, this officially surpasses 2016 as the you know, craziest I, year in the history of the sport.
3: And I agree because that'll fracture the timeline again yes that that if that happened that would influence the next seven years of like crossover oh free free agency free agency crossover boxing bouts whatever you wanted like it would just open all these eyes to the possibilities uh again that I don't think any of us would even would even think to consider, but it's not it, going to happen so it, it just would not. break. It would break
2: MMA and boxing. I forgot, Mike. It could have already happened by the time people (laughs) – It may have already happened. It may have already happened. We'll cut two parts. Oh, it didn't happen. I can't (laughs) believe it happened.
3: (laughs) People might not even be able to hear this podcast because the internet might be disintegrated. That's true. By a Francis Ngannou first-round knockout of of Tyson Fury.
2: I love that question, though. All right, you're asking. That's a
3: good question. Oh, God. Where do we even go from there, Mike? Where do we even go? I think I wanted to, uh, Denny Lynch, I Lynch, Denny Lynch on Twitter, uh, simply asking Mike, you, Mike, you've been to more shows than I have, uh, where are the best seats for a fight in your opinion, excluding, of course, cage side, uh, but, in, but including the floor. Oh yeah. yeah, Cause there's floor seats that aren't exactly cage side. So, uh, with the cage height, fighter size, lights, cameras, et cetera, there are more seats with obstructive views than Benway. So, uh, Mike, what's your opinion? I guess it depends where you are, but, um, what do you think? I know my answer
2: so i've been to a few um the garden for most of them i did go to one in dallas which is a hilarious story because we started off in the balcony and the guy i went with got so drunk that he was just being an asshole and almost got us both thrown out but i was like in such good spirits and so excited to be there that the Usher that was walking us down while my friend was being really pissy about it while they're trying to kick us out. I was being like super nice to the guy. So instead of like kicking us out, he moved us to a different spot. He moved us to the second section next to one of the UFC cameras. So we were like, it was like UFC cameras and then just us in this section because he didn't want like, he didn't want my friend to offend anybody else, but didn't want to get thrown out. That lasted all 30 minutes because my friend just kept yelling at nobody. And the UFC production team was like, you got to move these guys because you could hear him being an idiot on the cameras. So we ended up getting moved down like to the first level for the rest of it to the point where you could just walk down two stairs and when Mirko Krokop walked to the cage, like you could pat him on the shoulder. It was pretty cool. Like somehow him being a complete prick worked out for us. Um, (laughs) But to me,
4: like, it's probably the middle section
2: like the, the 200 section or whatever. That's where I watched Dominic Cruz, TJ Dillashaw, great seats. It's like just, it's close, but not too close. It's back, but not too far back. It's like, you could see everything pretty clearly. But honestly, there's not like a, MMA is a really tough sport to go to live. You just go for like the experience of being there. Cause you're mostly just going to watch the fights on the screen anyways. Because it is obstructed and you're dealing with a fucking fence. So, I mean, there's like so much you can do. You're almost just going to watch the screen anyways. So, I would say like the middle sections. Like not on the floor, but up a tier and sit as far back as you can. But there's not like a ton of like great seats. You're just there for the experience. And I would recommend everyone go once and then you probably got your fix. Unless you go, have the opportunity to go to like a huge fight for free or something.
3: Yeah, I mean, you, you essentially took my answer, Mike, because I was going to say the best seat is in the in your the, the comfort of your living room. Yes, or if you're lucky enough to be to be GC, sitting on a comfy couch in a studio yes. uh, right next to Mike Hack, that is like the best because it 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 is. <sighs> I'll say I'm not someone who goes to a ton of live events anyway, but some are better than others. Like I, for me, I love going to baseball. I love nosebleeds really almost there's definitely bad seats, but baseball is one of the best sports for watching live. Cause it's just so wide. It's so big. You, anywhere you sit, you're going to, you're, you're getting a good view of something cool. So I love baseball, basketball. I don't like watching live unless you have like kind of what Mike said, maybe mid range seats or, or behind one of the, one of the nets. Um, but MMA, because of, because of the cage, like it's, there's a reason we always go like, man. Like we talk about how cool it is, like Ryzen fighting in a ring. Other promotions that you know have a ring. Rings are the ideal fighting spec for for uh, spectators. Um, the octagon is cool. Uh, cage fighting in general is cool. It's a great visual. But if you're sitting on the floor level or something, man, you are going to be having a lot of trouble seeing anything good. It's just not meant for that. Um, so if you, I would say save as if you, yeah, Mike's right go once i think i've only paid to go to a ufc event one time i believe i went to winnipeg and it was a very bad card one that the ufc apologized <laughs> for um so i've only gone to uh, i've been to a bell tour and some other smaller shows but uh ufc just once and i was good and then i go occasionally when they come to toronto to, to cover for mma fighting but um if you can stay at home with your friends have some friends over chill out get you everyone you guys all have big ass everyone has big ass tvs now that's the best way no fighting yep. for the lineup at the washroom. It's the best way, but definitely go once. And like Mike said, may, maybe mid range, you know, don't, don't splurge for, for floor seats. It, 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 it's a cool idea to be down there. Um, and it is, you know, it, it is cool to be as close to the cage as possible, but also it's just not great for, for watching.
2: I don't even love going, like, I don't even love going to the actual flight night when I cover it. Like August 292 week was like my, it was like the dream scenario. I went to Boston. I covered, went, did media day. Did the Thursday stuff, did the Friday stuff, and then I flew to New York Saturday morning to do the watch party. If I could do that for every pay-per-view, I would be happy. I'd be a happy, happy person. Yeah. I don't need to be there for the fights. I don't need to. I like doing the watch party so much better. Like, I enjoy that so much more. So, yes, if you've never been, I highly recommend you go once. But I don't think you need Especially with, with ticket prices are going these days. Sheesh. It's tough. Especially if you bought... Uh, MSG tickets expecting oh, to see John Jones. Yikes, man. Tough. Uh, let's see here. All right. I'll go to this one. Stubby, This is a IG uh, DM. Mike, you've always taught us the golden rule. Never believe a rumor or fight booking unless it's on MMA fighting. Great website, BTW, but there are rumors on the social media that Colby Covington is injured and below Muhammad might step in to fight Leon Edwards. For now, let's call this a hypothetical, but if that were the case, and UFC 296 would be re-headlined by Edwards versus Muhammad two. would that be a good thing or a bad thing, both in your eyes and for the UFC? So in this hypothetical world, which by the way, I've been asked about this a million times. um, I've heard nothing about this at all. I've tried to reach out to people and I've gotten no response to this, but I have seen rumblings on social media. I've seen people who have gotten news correct also say there might be truth to this, but again, I haven't heard anything, but we are living in a hypothetical world right now. Okay. Let's just say Colby gets injured. Bilal steps in. Dana goes and makes the announcement. What is the reaction to it? Is this a good thing or a bad thing?
3: First of all, I we've I, I wanted to say this at the end of the chaos question. I told forgot. if Muhammad somehow, Bilal Muhammad somehow stepped in and ended 2023 as the UFC welterweight champion jeez again that would add to the, <laughs> the yes <laughs> the argument against because beginning of the year I, there's no world where i would have said yeah Bob ba- muhammad somehow get that title shot and become a uh, welterweight champion It's no way i would have thought that and we are one you know rumor coming to fruition away from uh from that becoming uh almost possible uh i i mean it's i have campaigned for Balaam muhammad just based on merit I, i'm not saying he's the most exciting fighter i'm not saying he's a great draw i'm not saying he's great on the microphone some would say he's terrible on the microphone um but winning fights has to mean something so in that in that regard i think it's cool but th- this is for business wise this is bad this is bad i don't like colby Covington, but you it's hard to deny that people talk about him we write a lot of stories about him. Um just things he says and just his persona. It draws some sort of traffic. It draws some sort of attention for the UFC. The kind of attention that uh Abla Muhammad, for better or for worse, he just doesn't bring that. And Leon Edwards, uh, the fact that that it's been it took so long to book this fight, I mean, it it has to happen. Because Leon on his own, again, is not viewed as like this this compelling personality, at least not by the majority of, of mma fans, like as for what they're looking for in a champion and in, in a in a MMA star. So if you put two guys like that, Edwards and muhammad who great fighters, I think it's an awesome fight on paper. Um, there's a history there because of the the no contest the first time. I think it's cool as good as for for me as someone who wants to watch it, but the UFC would be hurt real bad because the Edwards Covington fight, people have won it for a long time. Uh Covington, I think I would say has certainly has a better chance than Bilal Muhammad, as good as I think Bilal is. Um, so I will say if I have to be binary about it, good thing or bad thing, um bad thing. Bad thing for the UFC. Not not their favorite way to end the year probably.
2: Yeah, it'd be pretty tough, man. That's pretty tough. That'd be two December pay-per-views in a row that kind of crumbled and left a bad taste in their house. Like, look, Bilal deserves a title shot, but He better hope Colby don't win that title. He better hope these rumors are true. Because if Colby beats Leon, Bilal's never getting a title shot. Like, it'll never happen. So, I think Bilal's best hope is that these rumors are true. (laughs) Because otherwise, he ain't getting a shot. But yeah, this is bad, man. This is bad. I'd be thinking about, my first thought would be watch party numbers. Like, how drastic of a shift would it be? To the watch party numbers, if this was the new main event, it'd be cut in half. It'd be cut in half. We'd probably get over 200,000 with Colby. We might get 100,000 with Bilal. And that's just, just the reality of the situation. Bilal is a really good fighter. He's just not popular at all. He's not a draw in any way. And he could have been had he called people out correctly. (laughs) Had he gotten the Hamza Shemaya fight. Had he just screamed for it when the lights were on him. He'd be in a much better place right now. But he chose poorly. It's always that. I forget what movie that is. But I remember in How I Met Your Mother. You make a choice. And then the guy with the chink of armor in in the crown comes in and just goes, You chose poorly. That's how... Every call-out went for Bilal. And then That's you realize uh, it in all the Jones. media rounds. Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones. In and yeah, yeah, yeah. in the last crusade. In the last crusade, yeah. It's that. And then Bilal would be like, yeah, damn it. And then he would try to course correct by doing 8,000 interviews and calling out for Hamza when no one cared. <sighs> Bilal, just so many, just a few decisions the other way. He would have been fine. But... We'll see. It'd be great for Bilal. This is his best chance. Yeah. Because if this doesn't happen, he's probably not getting a title shot.
3: And you know what's funny is I actually think Bilal Muhammad, I actually think he has a good personality. Like if you follow his social media, I think some of his tweets are really funny. Yeah, he's good. Um, He actually has, but there's a difference between having a good personality, like as as a human being, like a generally good personality in society and having a good fighting personality. It it is very different. You could be, again, you could be the nicest, funniest, um, most compelling person in social situations. But that doesn't mean you can sell a fight. That doesn't mean you can be a a, a larger-than-life um, prize fighter. And he's not that. He's not that. And I'm sure he would tell you that himself. He's he's not a larger-than-life personality. He's kind of quirky. He's kind of funny. Um, D- Demetrius Johnson is like that. I think Demetrius Johnson is really funny. If you see him in interviews, he's very thoughtful, really compelling guy. But he's never, he was never going to be the and kind of guy to do, you know, a uh, uh, Conor McGregor level trash talk or put on a character like Henry Cejudo. He's just not going to do that. He's not going to And that doesn't mean he's, he's not, again, not, doesn't have a personality. He doesn't have a prize fighter personality. And that's, that's how it is with some people. That, that's certainly how it is with, with Bilal.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. I mean, it'd be great for Bilal if it happens, but it's going to be tough. Mike, we've only got a couple more, I think. Yes, I
3: think we only okay, got two. Okay, so let, let's do it. I'll go to, I'll read the one from Photos by Darren. Um, what
2: is your F- Friday meal of choice, Mike? Do you have one? So, Friday, so, I usually, like, I'm not the guy that just eats, like, a single chicken breast and, like, a side of broccoli, but I eat, like, pretty, pretty good during the week. But Friday, Friday, we get after it. Like, after the work week is over, we get after it a little bit. Like, we get takeout. Um, and there's like one burger that I usually get that's local. It's called the the brothel burger. That I get this like pizzeria slash tavern. And it's just like this huge burger and it's got, you know, lettuce, tomato, but it's got bacon. It's got jalapenos and it's just like cooked perfectly. A little ketchup and mustard and the fries are awesome. And I just eat that. And it's so good. And then like my kid usually gets a pizza. So he eat, some pizza and like, I might have a slice or two of the pizza too. It's Friday. I don't give a crap once Friday comes around. Like that's our day to just kind of get after it. So it's usually that, but there's no like actual meal. It's just, we know we're going to go get takeout and we're going to be kind of sloppy a little bit.
3: Yeah. I, I, I get, I don't know if this is in the vein of like in the Dana White effort Fridays where he suggests some like kind of weird frat house uh combination meal thing i i'm not a creative eater i'm not a am not a big foodie in general so i'm usually the last uh, the worst person to ask these questions but yeah i like i like good greasy fried food man you know like give me just give me a nice plate of chicken wings i always talk about um hot star fried chicken that's a Taiwanese fried chicken franchise in uh i think in not just in toronto but it, there's a few in toronto it's just del- it's so delicious i rarely have it but every now and then i will go out and uh just chomp down on one of those so um but yeah i don't know i'm not the kind of person that's gonna like i'm gonna put a big mac and, and, and a strawberry milkshake and then su- and then and then i don't know fry it like that I- i'm not gonna do that sort of thing so wrong person to ask there but uh yeah to everyone out there you do you if you like doing weird crazy stuff um but uh i see those kind of videos on like tiktok instagram I- i'm swiping i'm swiping right by i don't need to know uh I don't need to know what you guys are putting in your bellies.
2: Yeah, I was done. I was done with F it Friday, like January 7th, <laughs> honestly. But that's neither here nor there. So, okay, I guess this is the last question. Four Corner Sports asked two questions. I'm just going to ask the first question. I'm not going to ask the second one. Uh, that's just a lot of thinking, and I don't really mm-hmm. want to mm-hmm. do that anymore. We kind
3: of did a card. It, for anyone, it's like asking like to make a card or something. We kind of did that with the Ryzen one, so.
2: Yeah, I mean, and nothing's gonna be better, like more chaotic than that. So, uh, Four Corner Sports. This is from DMTU. for the Ask Me Anything episode. If you were Tom Aspinall or Sergey Pavlovich, how long are you sitting out after a win after November 11th, especially with the John Jones injury? Should they defend the interim belt? What do you think?
3: So. Of course much of this depends on how long John Jones is actually going to be out. When Dana White made the announcement, he threw the number out there of 8 months that it would it would take 8 months um to recover because John's going to get surgery for pectoral injury. Uh but it's not that's not locked in, you know, that's not I think I I think that's sort of the worst case scenario. And I mentioned in our Slack that if he if that did happen um then John probably won't be coming back till next summer. He'll be 37 years old by then. So I don't know what the plan will still be. And uh, Steepy, I don't, again, also um, be a little bit further along and you have to wonder. But I, I'm sure they both still want to take that fight. That's just, that's locked in for both of them. So I guess what uh, Four Corner Sports, one thing they're asking here is do you wait around for the possibility that you could get the John Jones fight if you're Tom Aspinall or you're Sergey Pavlovich? I, I assume that's, that's part of the question. And I would say, hell no. Uh, <laughs> defend the title at some point or I think to, uh, I, to make to build up whatever event this might have to headline like uh, to Aspinall or Pavlovich's first title defense, they're going to say this is the undisputed title now. Uh, we, we yeah we'll elevate interim to undisputed, and when John Jones Stevie come back, I don't know they'll figure out some other promotional thing. I, I, the goat the goat heavyweight title, Mike they'll create the goat the goat the goat heavyweight title <laughs> for Bay and John Jones to fight over. Get a new gimmick belt. I'm all for it, but I think Aspinall Pavlovich will be recognized as the uh, undisputed. UFC champion at least I, I I hope that's what they do because I do I I'll tell you right now whoever wins that fight I'm probably just going to bump up to number one on my heavyweight rankings I just cannot wait for John Jones to return so um that's what's on the line for me and I hope the UFC makes the right decision and, and does that for them as well
2: yeah I mean it's tough because we god we might actually get an interim title defense because I feel like I feel like John Stipe will headline International Fight Week because if it doesn't headline UFC 300, then you can't put it anywhere else besides International Fight Week. You can't just throw it on UFC 298 or 299. Like It's either 300 or it could be on 301. It's got to be the, one of the big, big, big cards. And I think that's what they'll try to do. And as soon as that fight's over, whoever wins November 11th is going to be Robert Whittaker into becoming Undisputed Champion because both guys are going to walk away. Jones will win. He'll say, I'm out, but I'm not slamming the door. A will retire. Whoever wins that fight becomes the Undisputed Champion. But it's a long time to wait, man. It's a long time to wait. Now, if you're, if you're Tom Aspinall, Sergey Pavlovich, I think will we'll wait. If you're Tom Aspinall and you win the belt in November and the UFC goes back to London in March for a pay-per-view, I kind of have a feeling Tommy Aspinall is going to want to fight on that card. So, does he defend against the made a Derek Lewis winner? It could happen, especially if Jalton wins. But does Tom want to risk the title against Jalton? Maybe. But outside of that, I don't think Tom would fight, but if they go back to London for a pay per view in March, like I think Tom's going to try to get on that card if he wins the belt. So I'll say maybe, but only if Aspinall wins will that belt, will the interim title be defended. Oh,
3: that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I could see I could see Sergey just being uh, less motivated to jump back in there, uh, unless by some chance they went to Russia or something. I don't know if they would if they were planning to do that, um, but it has to become undisputed because we saw Dana White's answer. The, what was it, the power slap uh, media uh, scrum they had recently where they were like, was there any thought to having Stipe, you know, like fight for an interim title? And he was like, no, it's interim. These interim titles are crap. Why would <laughs> I'm not going to, Stipe's better than that. I'm, gonna- I'm not going to make Stipe fight for an interim title. What are you kidding? These things are worthless. Uh, now, he didn't say that in so many words. I may be, um, I may be paraphrasing a bit, but uh, I would think if, especially if Tom Aspinall were to fight in, uh, in England, that they would say, this is for the undisputed, you know, he's defending the undisputed heavyweight title. And the other thing is, um, they want to do that as soon as possible. I think because Francis is still out there, and, and every time and Francis is, is, you know, called the lineal heavyweight champion, I feel like it's a little, it's a little poke, a little shot at the UFC. And he is the lineal heavyweight champion, by the way. Um, so he they might be the say, lineal boxing champion right now. <laughs> yes, maybe. But that's what I well, that's what I meant. And uh, I think the UFC needs to tout whoever they can as the un- the world's undisputed heavyweight champion as soon as possible because having francis out there and then going like oh look we have an interim ch- our interim champions defending it just sounds so silly
2: <laughs> yeah it's not like any other division is dealing with vacant and interim titles it's mm. craziness i think that's it right wow great did pretty good nice great job questions. everybody yeah that awesome. nice job we might do one more of these for the years over i don't know when probably won't do it like thanksgiving week that probably will not happen. Or I mean we're past your Thanksgiving, AK or is it is it Canadian Thanksgiving? We have already right. past we that. Past right?
3: October, baby. We're we're moving on. This this month this month's almost over and uh, Thanks uh, Thanksgiving's way in the rear view.
2: Uh, so we may not do one PFL Championship week. How about that? Does that sound better? We
3: we will wait, what are you saying? We might not do one. We probably
2: won't. That's a holiday <laughs> week.
3: Good. But now now you're explaining it in a way I understand.
2: Yes, absolutely. So but next week we are back to the to the matchmaking, everybody. UFC Sao Paulo. Going down with looks like fourteen fights, and we lost one this week. So we had, we had fifteen. We got the main event with Curtis Blades out. Jeltin Almeida versus Derek, the newly resigned Derek Lewis, the man who tested free agency at the peak of his powers for about thirty six hours. Welcome back. Go fight this guy, Derek Lewis. Uh, Gabriel Bonfim versus Nicholas Dalby. Nicholas Dalby. Has thwarted a lot of prospects in Brazil, so keep an eye on that. Rodrigo Nascimento versus Dante Mays. Caio Baraglio, not in the co-main event, at least for oh, right no. now. Wait, I was at Taking home. Taking on... We,
3: we don't have the official schedule yet. He has to be in the co-main event. Come on. Come on. All
2: right, let me, let me look at the official website.
3: But we're also so far away from it.
2: I don't think they finalized. I would be very surprised they finalized. They did. They did. <laughs> Yep, Bonfim Dolby the co-main event. That is absurd.
3: What did Kyle Baraglio do to deserve this? Fight That's absurd. for the Facing... UFC
2: and co-main events. And what did
3: Avis Megameda, who was headlining in his most recent fight, do to deserve this? Come on.
2: Nah, d- look, they, they want people to get there early and often. They don't want people just showing up for the main event. They oh, want to okay, get people oh, okay. in the building a little earlier. So sure, sure. Kyle Baraglio will face the man who helped usher the Sean Strickland era. Yeah. At 185 pounds, Abus Magomedov looks to bounce back. Adolfo Vieta versus Armin Petrosian. Ishmael Bonfim versus Vince Pichel. Elvis Brenner versus Esteban Ribovich. That fight's going to be insane. Yes. Daniel Marcos, Victor Hugo. Elizu Zaleski versus Renat Fakratinov. Whoa.
3: That's a big test. Big test for Fakratinov. Big test.
2: Yes. And if Fakratinov wins... He's going to get a big fight. Victor Petrino, Vitor Vitrino versus Modestus Bukaskis. I had no idea this fight was happening. Angela Hill versus Denise Gomez. I did know, and it made me sad because
3: I like both fighters a lot. And this, yeah. this is one of those, I wish neither fighter could lose, but <sighs> hopefully just, it's just put on the banger that I'm expecting.
2: Man, Angela Hill has become like the Edson Barboza of women's <laughs> yeah. MMA. She's just Seriously. fighting killer after killer. Monsterats, Conejo Ruiz versus Eduarda Maura. And... Cayoe Fernandez versus Mark Jacacy. That is UFC Sao Paulo. 14 fights. I got to look. This is, this is the big thing. Oh, God. 9 p.m. main card, six fights. All right, it's not the worst, but it's not, it's not great. great either. It's not great. <laughs> 9 p.m. for six-fight main card. Yikes. But then, it's UFC 295 the following week, so... AK, thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thank you for being my best friend. And thank all of you for listening and submitting the questions. Back next week, right here on the program. And always remember the golden rule. Don't take this stuff too seriously. MMA is supposed to be fun. And we will have more fun with the matchmaking crowns back on. Right here on On to the Next One, the podcast.
4: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.